Most have not considered the nature of their life. They are oblivious to, and some are even hiding from, very real and certain events in which they must participate. Did you know insurance companies have actuary tables that predict the odds on whether a person will return from a trip to the store for a quart of milk alive or not? Shouldn't this cause one to consider the uncertainty of life? When one looks back 10, 20, 30 years as though it were yesterday, shouldn't it cause that person to consider the brevity of this life? When one considers that one will abruptly leave this earth to stand before God in judgment, shouldn't that impose some serious godly fear and a question of, by what standard shall I be judged? God authored the Holy Bible and holy men of God penned it. It is the owner's manual of life given to all the sons and daughters of men and declares what God will be looking for, the standard by which he will judge all mankind and angels too. This Holy Bible is the roadmap for navigating this wicked world victoriously and for entering uh, into eternal glorious life in Christ Jesus, God's only begotten Son. The beginning of eternal life is at a secret place, which will be revealed in the next few sentences. Revelation twenty eleven through 15, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation twenty one twenty seven speaks of eternal life in God's new Jerusalem, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life is a book of birth certificates, the birth certificates of the children of God. To be a child of God, you must be born of him. Jesus reveals this glorious secret when he speaks to the Jewish leader Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is what God will be looking for in regard to one's eternity, whether it be in the new heaven or in hell. Have you been born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? The first time you were born a son or daughter of Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, the second time you become a son or daughter of God. Will today be the day, a new birth certificate, your eternal birth certificate, is inserted into the Lamb's Book of Life. Today all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's saving blood, and all of Satan's bondage is broken if you follow me in this simple prompt. Here we go. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the invisible kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. 
God said, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. God said, Proverbs eleven nineteen, as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. God said, Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Man said, Don't judge me with your old foolish book of superstitions. I direct my own life, thank you. What did you say? The doctor said I have two weeks to live. Oh, God, save me, help me. Yeah, <laughs> now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 941, that will once again certify the perfect, supernatural inerrancy of the Word of God. All of these fabulous features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the childlike and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Take advantage of four highly beneficial God Said, Man Said features. One, you have questions, God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. Number two, use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. Number three, imagine. You can download nearly 350 hours of God Said, Man Said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. And number four, sign up for the God Said, Man Said weekly broadcast, and fresh bread will be delivered to you, God willing, every Thursday eve. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. It has never been done. It will never be done, and it can't be done. It's not even remotely possible. A staggering global field study of billions of people of all ages over a period of thousands of years is in, and the picture it paints for mankind is dark, and the darkness is intensifying. God's Word prophesies of the last days in Second Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. How apparent it is that evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Charles Darwin, the father of today's evolutionist, claimed that as science stacked one discovery upon another, man would find that the God of the Bible would become irrelevant. Over 150 years have ticked by since Darwin put forth his foolishness, and the exact opposite is the reality. Not one discovery from any of the scientific disciplines has controverted by facts one of God's declarations in his beautiful book. Let me emphasize, not one. But much to the chagrin of the world's academic sages, those same scientific discoveries have inadvertently certified the inerrancy of God's Word time after time. God said, man said, is dedicated to the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is found in all of God's Word. Keep in mind what Revelation 19.13 says of Jesus Christ. 
and his name is the Word of God. This world is filled with gods, little G-O-Ds. Satan in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, is known as the God of this world, little G-O-D. The God of the Bible is the God above all gods. The vast majority of this world believes in a God, but their gods, little G-O-Ds, are not the God of the Bible. The redeemed's understanding of God is framed in the Holy Bible. Any understanding, written or verbal, contrary to the Scriptures, is Antichrist. Any understanding, whether by dreams, visions, or spoken words, as though from God or angels, that is contrary to the written book, is simply Antichrist. God's word is even lifted above his name. Psalms 138, 1 and 2, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Week after week, God said, man said, proves the Bible to be the inerrant living word of God, the only divine authoritative text that defines who God is, how to be found pleasing unto him, and by what standard he will judge. On the navigation bar on your left, we list four proof categories. One is titled, God Said, Man Said, from which this website takes its name. Hundreds of subjects are published in this proof category that basically bring to the visitor's attention what God said, contrasting it with what man said, and then bringing to light the results of man's disobedience. Carnal man by holy command must reap what he sows. It is impossible to escape the evil fruit. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This God said, man said principle is often repeated here, and this repetition is necessary. Every commandment and precept of God's word is the inerrant truth and has inherent within it a blessing or a curse. Because God's word is the inerrant perfect truth, obeying it yields the blessing of doing the right thing. Because God's word is the inerrant perfect truth, Disobeying yields the curse of doing the wrong thing. The results of disrespecting, of mocking God's commandments are just flat deadly. Many features on God said, man said, deal directly with the health benefits that are a result of going to church. The results from hundreds of medical research projects covering tens of thousands of individuals continue to pour in, and their findings shout a very loud, yes, the God's beautiful book. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is just one example of God's directives concerning church attendance. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Some foundational information from the God said, man said feature, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, follows. When man's science digs deep, when man's science peers into the visible and invisible, when his research is published, God's children of faith are already there with their banners unfurled. The following sentences are from the November 26, 2008 article, Religion May Help Extend Your Life, published by Health Day. 
The study participants came from the Large Women's Health Initiative Observational Study and included nearly 95,000 women from all over the United States. The women were all between 50 and 79 years old at the start of the study. When the researchers adjusted the data to account for the physical health, age, ethnicity, income, education, social support, important life events, and life satisfaction, they found that weekly religious service attendance was responsible for a 20% reduction in the risk of death. Dr. Harold G. Koenig, founder and co-director of the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University Medical Center, called the new research a very well-done study that provides good, well-controlled evidence that religious attendance is related to lower mortality. Concerning prayer, Dr. Dale Matthews of Georgetown University, author of The Faith Factor, reports that 75% of all research on studies of spirituality has confirmed health benefits. He said, if prayer were available in pill form, no pharmacy could stock enough of it, end of quote. Many marvelous things happen in a church where the word of God is honored. In the house of God, a believer is instructed in righteousness and is ministered to in a myriad of ways. It is a place of community and powerful support. God's house is the ultimate place for answers, vision, and encouragement. When Jesus Christ resurrected from Abraham's bosom, he gave gifts unto men for the perfecting of the saints. The gifts he gave are gifts of ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Ephesians 4, 8 through 12. The primary setting for these ministry gifts to operate is in the formal church setting. The benefits of congregating in God's house are more than I could number. Hundreds of studies have been and are presently being conducted to ascertain whether there is any connection between religious faith and health. Some of the latest results are shocking to the unbelieving world. In 1999, the results of a study conducted by the University of Texas was published. 22,000 people were followed over a nine-year period. Those who attended church or synagogue more than once a week lived an average of eight years longer than those who didn't. Let me say it another way. Those who attended church more than once a week lived 2,920 days or 11% longer than those who didn't. A Yale study reported that churchgoers were less likely to become physically disabled. In a syndicated article released by Knight Ritter Newspapers, it was recorded Several studies concluded that people who attended religious services regularly are hospitalized less often and have stronger immune systems than people who rarely or never attend. Again, the Knight Ritter article cites a 1996 poll of family doctors and found that 99% believed spiritual practices and prayer can be helpful in medical treatment, end of quotes. The headline from the January 9, 2014 Mail Online uh, reads, Religious people take fewer sick days and are less anxious because spirituality offers a buffer against the strains of modern life. The subhead reads, People who are religious are less likely to be stressed at work. They are also less likely to be depressed or exhausted. They are more likely to feel that their life has meaning. The research comes just after it was revealed that people who have a spiritual side 
have a thicker section of brain tissue than those who do not. The research from Columbia University also suggested that this thickening of the brain's cortex could help to stave off depression. The study authors believe this could suggest being religious changes the structure of the brain in a way which reduces depression risk, end of quote. Has science proven any real measurable benefit of prayer and of going to church? The headline in the April 6, 2015 article published by CharismaNews.com reads, Healing power of prayer undeniable according to 1,500 medical studies. Much of the feature follows. For the devout, there has never been any question that prayer has the power to heal. Now more and more medical research from leading hospitals and universities across the U.S. has shown conclusively a belief in God really is good for you, making you healthier and happier and helping you live longer. Studies have shown prayer can prevent people from getting sick, and when they get sick, prayer can help them get better faster. Duke University's Harold G. Koning, M.D., tells Newsmax Health. An exhaustive analysis of more than 1,500 reputable medical studies indicates people who are more religious and pray more have better mental and physical health, Dr. Koenig says. And out of 125 studies that looked at the link between health and regular worship, 85 showed regular churchgoers live longer. There's a lot of evidence out there. Dr. Koning says a striking study published by uh, published, excuse me, in the Southern Medical Journal demonstrated that prayer has a remarkable effect on patients with hearing and visual deficiencies. After prayer ses- sessions, they showed significant improvements based on audio and visual tests. Dr. Koning said, he added, the benefits of devout religious practice, particularly Involvement in a faith community and religious commitment are that people cope better. In general, they cope with stress better. They experience greater well-being because they have more hope. They're more optimistic. They experience less depression, less anxiety, and they commit suicide less often. They have stronger immune systems, lower blood pressure, and probably better cardiovascular functioning. The proof of the power of prayer is overwhelming says researcher and writer Tom Knox, a one-time atheist who became a regular worshiper after doing an in-depth study of the medical benefits of faith. What I discovered astonished me, admits Knox. Over the past 30 years, a growing and largely unnoticed body of scientific works shows religious belief is medically, socially, and psychologically beneficial. Study after study backs up the benefits of having faith, especially in prolonging life. In 2006, population researchers at the University of Texas discovered that the more often you go to church, the longer you live. Religious attendance is associated with adult mortality in a graded fashion, says Knox. There is a seven-year difference in life expectancy between those who never attend church and those who attend weekly. The American Journal of Public Health studied nearly 2,000 older Californians for five years and found out that those who attended religious services were 36% less likely to die during that period than those who didn't. A study of nearly 4,000 older adults by the U.S. Journal of Gerontology revealed that atheists 
had a significantly increased chance of dying over a six-year period than the faithful. Crucially, religious people lived longer than atheists, even if they didn't go regularly to a place of worship. End of quote. Consider some relevant headlines. February, uh, excuse me, February 27, 2015, the magazine The Week. Headline, Meditation Delays Aging. England's Daily Mail. Smoking just one cannabis joint raises danger of mental illness by 40%. October 6, 2014, CBS Atlanta. CDC, 110 million Americans have STDs at any given time. November 26, 2008, Health Day. Religion may help extend your life. March 2003, Parade Magazine. Why prayer could be good medicine. June 3, 2016, The Week. Health Benefits of Church. May 2016, ChristianExaminer.com. Do churchgoers actually live longer? August 14, 2015, WashingtonPost.com. Want sustained happiness? Get religion, studies suggest. But what happens when church attendance goes south? The amazing truth is the results are inversely proportional. When church attendance drops point by point, the deadly fruit of disobeying God's commandment rises incrementally, all of which is the inescapable proof that God is. When church attendance decreases, a myriad of deadly plagues infiltrate the ranks of the unwashed. It is inversely proportional. Consider the charts that follow. Children out of wedlock. All right, so we had Gallup with the test, and they measured, and they asked the question, do you happen to be a member of a church or a synagogue? From 1992 to 2016, the numbers dropped from 70% in 92 to 55% in 2016. And while these numbers were dropping, unmarried mothers, children born out of wedlock, was on the rise. The number of children born out of red, uh, wedlock excuse me, rose nearly 400% between 1970 and 2015. Next chart, drug poisoning deaths. This is another measure by Gallup, and they measured from 1948 to 2016. And the question they asked was, America's, Americans identifying as Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish. The numbers dropped from 94% in 1948 to 62% in 2016. While, while these numbers were dropping, drug poisoning was on the rise. Okay, so drug poisoning per 100,000 in the USA. You can see what happened there from 1999 to 2015. Opioid overdose deaths were five times higher in 2016 than in 1999. Next chart, STD cases, sexually transmitted disease cases in the United States. Uh, for the churchgoers, again, here's the Gallup review. Do you happen to be a member of a church or a synagogue from 1992 to 2016? The numbers dropped from 70% in 1992 to 55% in 2016. While, while, while it's dropping, Watch what's happening to sexually transmitted diseases. Chlamydia cases per 100,000 went from 251.4 in 2000 to 528.8 in 2017. It's inversely proportional, people. Next chart, American heroin users. Again, I'm using the chart of Gallup identifying Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish. The number dropped. Uh, from 94% in 1948 to 62% in 2016. And while that's happening, 
heroin use is on the upswing. The UN's World Drug Report showed us numbers from 2003 to 2014. Heroin users increased threefold in that period of time, reaching one million in the United States. These charts could go on page after page, but the point is obvious. Rejecting God's commandments churns out its deadly fruit at an ever-increasing and alarming rate, even inversely proportional to the decline in church attendance. It truly is a global field study, and the results clearly report that regular attendance at God's house is directly hooked to health, mental well-being, and prosperity. It has never been done. It will never be done. It can't be done. It's not even remotely possible. When one rejects God's directives, a deadly downward spiral begins. The only way to change that trajectory is to be converted. If you still haven't made your move for Jesus Christ, you are in a deadly downward spiral. Turn it around before it's too late. Click on the further with Jesus. Yes, every inerrant God-authored commandment has inherent within it a blessing or curse. We choose. God said, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. God said, Proverbs eleven nineteen, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. God said, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Man said, Don't judge me with your old foolish book of superstitions. I'll direct my own life, thank you. What did you say? The doctor said I have two weeks to live. Oh, God, save me, help me. (laughs) And now you have the record.